Congratulations. You made it. You made it to Christmas Eve. You made it to this moment. You made it through the busiest season of the whole year. The next few minutes might just be the most stress-free ones you've had in a while. So, take a breath, sit back, relax your shoulders, and at least for the next few minutes, be at peace. As busy as our approach to Christmas might be, if there's a number one hope for the holiday season, an overriding hope, a universal hope, many people would say it's peace. We look forward to the promise of peace, though the details of that will be different from person to person, for sure. Maybe you're hoping for a white Christmas and enjoying that especially peaceful experience of a snowy evening spent at home doing absolutely nothing. Maybe you're anticipating the peace that comes only now that you've completed your exams and the semester is over. Maybe you're looking forward to that magic moment later tonight after you've put the kids to bed and the gifts are all wrapped and arranged and you can simply sit by the soft glow of the Christmas tree. For some reason, the Christmas season, more than any other time of year, seems to put into focus our heart's desire for peace. And while we think easily of peaceful experiences and peaceful environments, moments of peace, feelings of peace, the heart's desire for peace goes far beyond those experiences and environments, far deeper than moments or feelings. And perhaps now, more than any time ever before, we feel that desire in an urgent kind of way, given the world around us and current events. The war in the Ukraine is savage and brutal, but far from the only conflict on the world stage. Conflicts that leave us frightened and confused. And meanwhile, there's ceaseless violence impacting most every community across our country, and sadly, here at home. Not to mention a growing incivility experienced everywhere, from Christmas shopping to air travel. And frankly, we ourselves can be our own worst enemy when it comes to peace of mind with the worry and fear we find ourselves dealing with. The collective experience of all of it ensures that peace remains elusive. Many people feel this disquiet. Maybe you feel this disquiet too. This is where our desires and God's will intersect. Did you know that all the Hebrew scripture pointing to the coming of the Messiah, the long-awaited, often promised savior of the world, whose coming Christmas remembers and celebrates, all the scripture describes a correlation between the arrival of the Messiah and the establishment of peace on earth. In today's first reading, for instance, we read from the ninth chapter of Isaiah, as we do every Christmas. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. They name him Wonder Counselor, God Hero, Father Forever, Prince of Peace. 
Isaiah looks forward to the coming of the Messiah whose presence is characterized by peace. As the Prince of Peace, he will inaugurate a reign of peace, introducing the fullness of peace. God wants us to have peace, and yet peace will remain elusive unless and until we grasp one fundamental truth, one fundamental truth that we find in this evening's gospel reading. The passage we know well. It begins by giving us the historical and practical details of Jesus' birth. He was born during the reign of Caesar Augustus, the mightiest emperor of the mighty Roman Empire, who had ordered a census of the entire population, requiring everyone to enroll in their own city of birth. So, Mary and Joseph left their home in Nazareth to travel to Bethlehem, Joseph's hometown, where Mary gave birth to Jesus. Luke tells us that she wrapped the baby in swaddling clothes and then placed him in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. Presumably, they were in a stable or barn because Scripture tells us there was no room for them in the inn. The action then switches from the, the touching, tender scene of a family enjoying their newborn child to the open country outside of Bethlehem, between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Now there were shepherds in that region living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. While there were several Old Testament heroes who shepherded sheep, Abraham, Moses, and David among them, shepherds were actually outcasts in society, looked down upon by the religious leaders. They were poor and uneducated, and their work ensured that they lived in filth and squalor. But even more than that, shepherds worked constantly, and their time out in the field kept them from observing the hundreds of religious rules and laws imposed on the faithful by their leaders. So, the shepherds were considered ritually unclean, excluded from temple worship, which was deeply ironic because these shepherds outside of Bethlehem, these shepherds weren't tending just any sheep. They were tending the sheep exclusively used for sacrifice at the temple. Sheep sacrificed in remission for sin. In other words, these sheep were the lambs who took away the sins of the faithful, just as Jesus would be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Anyway, to this poor motley crew, God introduces the biggest news ever, the biggest news of all time. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The message comes to the shepherds in the appearance of an angel, and the angel brings a joyful message of peace, but the initial response of the shepherds is hardly joyful. They were terrified. They were sore afraid. They were so afraid it hurt. It's funny 
that angels are so often portrayed as gentle and friendly and cuddly and cute, when every time they appear in Scripture, they terrify people. You'd be terrified too. <laughs> what made their appearance so frightening? Scripture tells us the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The Jewish people called it Shekinah glory, the presence of God that's overwhelming. And every single time someone encounters an angel in Scripture, they're disarmed and overwhelmed. That's what's happening to the shepherds. So the angel says to them, do not be afraid, fear not. For behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The angel says his presence is not a cause for concern, but the occasion for celebration. He doesn't bring condemnation, but good news of great joy for all people. Good news of great joy for all people, all people not just religious people or church people or holy people, all people. And that means it's good news for us. And what's the news? For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you who is Christ the Lord. The good news is that God has sent a Savior for us. But not just any Savior, He is Christ the Lord, the Son of God. Let's be honest. The news of a savior, a savior, when everything is going great, can sound a little annoying, even insulting. I don't need a savior. I'm good, thanks, anyway. But when you lack peace of mind, that can be a very different story. Maybe you're experiencing anxiety. Maybe you're filled with anxiety. You're filled with anxiety because you're in the middle of a financial mess. Your kids are in trouble. You're in over your head at school. You have no idea how to deal with an addiction or your loneliness or fix your dysfunctional family relationships or facing diagnosis or bear your grief. Then, then the promise of a savior doesn't seem that bad. In fact, it can sound pretty good. If you enjoy perfect peace in your heart, then the message of the angel means nothing to you. It can be ignored. But if you know peace of mind and peace in your heart is currently eluding you in some way, it could be a lifeline. As unexpected and wondrous as the angel's message was at first, the rest of his message was even more wondrous and more unexpected. The angel tells the shepherds how they will spot their savior. This will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. An infant lying in a manger in a barn. A more modest, a humbler scene could hardly be imagined. But don't miss this. Look at the deliberate, the dramatic juxtaposition of this amazing scene. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Suddenly, those words burst off the page. They jump out of the text as if to reinforce 
this incredibly astounding news that God could be present in a helpless little baby. A multitude, meaning a vast army of angels, suddenly appears. You know, in heaven, the angel armies are always praising God and worshiping Him, but now they come to earth to praise God because God has come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. The Son of God has been born in Bethlehem. Think about it. God is present in this incredibly powerful way through His angel armies, and He is present in an incredibly humble way in an infant in swaddling clothes, lying in a trough in a barn. You know, God is big. God is really big. He's so big that He's bigger than you. And that's good news because it also means that God is bigger than your problems. God is transcendent. He transcends everything and everyone, including you and me and our problems. He towers over the problems of the world. And while that can be scary when we first think about it, ultimately, it can give us a sense of peace. God is bigger than your anxiety. God is bigger than your financial challenges. God is bigger than your addictions. God is bigger than your family drama or struggles at school. God is bigger than your loneliness or loss. God is bigger than your fear. God is transcendent. He transcends everything and everyone, including you and me and our problems. He towers over the problems of the world, just like those angel armies in the sky over Bethlehem that first Christmas. At the same time, God is close. God is near. Theologically, we would say God is imminent. He's come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He is God with us. He made himself small, so small that we can actually relate to him and approach him and talk to him and get to know him. It's knowing the presence of God, who's both big enough to bring solutions to your problems and close enough to know about them and actually care. Embracing that truth, which is that fundamental truth that we referred to earlier, embracing that fundamental truth, quite simply stated, brings peace. A peace the world cannot give and a peace the world cannot take away. It is a peace that defies all human understanding. Holding on to that truth takes time to grasp, for sure. It's not a one-and-done kind of deal. It's a process. And it's not something that you can really undertake all alone and on your own. You're just going to be more successful at it in association with other people of faith, whether that's a community of faith like a church or a church-based faith-sharing small group or even just a loose association of other believers who can provide support and encouragement that you need. You really can know the peace of God, and it begins by asking for it. So this evening, I invite you to do that if you like. Ask for the gift of peace that God has in mind for you in the person of Jesus Christ. Right now, in your heart, you can say, 
Lord God, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I seek to know him in a personal way, a way that brings his presence into my life. You know, peace isn't the absence of troubles or problems. They'll always be with us. Peace isn't the absence of problems. It's the presence of God. And that is what Christmas is all about. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.